Hey, it's the franchise from Talking Pop with the franchise and Biko. Just let you know, we have a storefront. It's teespring.com slash Talking Pop. We got shirts. We got tank tops for men, women, kids. We also got hoodies and sweatshirts. Um, we actually have coffee mugs and we have an iPhone case and a Samsung case with the Popstronaut logo on there. Also, we have stickers so you can put on your locker, on your laptop, wherever you want to put those stickers on there. So right now, if you go to teespring.com slash TalkingPop, and when you go to check out, use the promo code TalkPop and save $5 on your order. Support the podcast. As always, geek on and take care. Fanboys and fangirls, welcome to episode 50 of the Talking Pop with the Franchise and Biko. It is the podcast on all things pop culture. I am your host, the Franchise, and of course, my co host, from the most, from the same mother, my brother, Biko. What's up, guys? How's it going? Hey, guys, it's episode 50, and pretty much, um, I know, 50 up, like, this is our 50th one now. It's like, we've been doing this, what, two, three years now, and man, <laughs> it's been a while. To get to this level, um, I thank our sponsors Anchor for sponsoring the podcast and pretty much being one of the main homes of our, of our podcast. I do recommend you guys if you want to start a podcast, definitely check out anchor.fm. Hopefully, when you guys listen to the episode, you heard the ad where I get more details about our sponsor. But let, once again, thanks, big shout out to them. Okay, so right now, um, if you guys follow me on Twitter or Instagram, I posted, you know. Picture I did. Um, I just got out from yesterday. I actually went to go see the Sonic Hedgehog movie. Um, and then, of course, I was decked out in Sonic gear. I'm currently still wearing my Sonic shirt. And I'm still wearing my Sonic socks. So I have two pairs of uh, Sonic socks. Uh, mine is the one with his spikes, you know. That's kind of cool. I wore my Sonic hoodie, of course, and my Sonic hat. So basically, I went decked out in all Sonic gear because honestly, I've been a Sonic fan since, you know, this is the beginning, since like. My mom got me a Genesis for getting good grades in school, so that was around my birthday too. So she got me my first uh, Sega system, which was Sega Genesis. So of course, everywhere in the in the other regions is known as the Mega Drive. And of course, you know um, Sega wanted uh, at that time they wanted a mascot to compete with Mario. I mean, they had Alex Kidd, but I think with the whole bad thing about the Master System, they decided to go with a new look. Suddenly, since they were jumping to 16-bit, they wanted to jump up. On the competition, be ahead of Nintendo, so they had to come up with many ideas. 
for a mascot. So what we're gonna do today, pretty much today's episode is pretty much gonna be more focused. So Big Tom is gonna focus on you know Sonic the Hedgehog, you know facts about the character. Um, we I will be discussing the film as well, so there will be spoilers. Just to let you guys know. But we're gonna go and give a little bit more background history on Sonic the Hedgehog. Also, Biko will have. And once again, another weekly edition of It Came From Reddit. So, they'll be going through the subreddit right now. If you want to join the chat right now, you can check out our Discord right now. Go to Talking Pop Podcast, all one word, to join our server using the hashtag Talking-Pop. You can join on the chat right now. We got the server up right now, so go ahead, um, get on there, and pretty much, you know, check us out. We'll try to have a Discord up every week we're recording. So, you should be trying to record, like, around... About 7.30 at night, you know, based on our work schedules. So we try our best to give you guys a fresh episode every week. So that's our plan moving forward. Once again, you can check out our Discord at Talking Popcast. Um, our username is Franchise Biko. So all one word. So if you want to look us by username, it's Franchise Biko. Like, once again, that's Talking Pop Podcast. And, of course, you can find our, podca- our information about the podcast itself on Anchor.fm. Also, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Apple Podcasts and many other outlets. Um, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash talkingpop. You check us out there. We put links to the episodes and pretty much anything, you know, I like to post and share with you guys. And once again, let's get going. Um, like I said, going back to the history. Like I said, Sega, you know, at the time, you know, they were coming up, you know, they were coming up with a new system, the Mega Drive, and, you know, they wanted to get, you know, make a character kind of like, a, pretty much like a... A mascot, you say, I, I say, um, pretty much, you know, they went through different designs and different things. And pretty much, um, was pretty much a complete of, uh, the Compete with Mars series. And I pulled up a little bit on, uh, history. I kind of got it from Wikipedia, but I might pull something from the Sega page. So let me see if I can pull a little bit of history there. See if I can look it up here on Google here. Well, I'll read a little bit like comparison between the Wikipedia page and the Wikipedia as you see like, you know, let's see here, origins, you should give them a background and then um, you can talk about uh, the movie that you want to see over the weekend, uh, Sonic guys, uh, anybody didn't know. Uh, Sonic the Hedgehog movie uh, was released over the weekend uh, going into the Valentine's Day weekend and it's uh, showing some strong numbers right now uh, but I'm going to let uh, Fonz talk about how he went to go see it and to his review on it because um, uh, I just saw the trailer and stuff like that uh, but I'm, I was I was glad to see that it's doing good at least in the box office and that people went and see it because it's cool you know Cause it's it's a nice cause I grew up with it and uh, it was pretty important in our childhood and it was it's nice to see that our shit's being made on the big screen. Okay, so I went online and I pulled up. Uh, like I said, I'm gonna compare notes and stuff before we get into the film. We like I said, give a little background behind the character. People don't want you know, or you people have been fans of the franchise, or you pretty much discovered Sonic and somehow in this current generation of gaming. Because you're probably thinking, oh, Sonic is just another character appears on other consoles. But before, he was basically Sega's flagship mascot. Um, pretty much, you know, it was 
very much the early days of the 16-bit console wars, if you guys remember, like in the early 90s, 1991, um, Nintendo was just coming off the success of the and Nintendo Entertainment System. They decided to go up to the next level, so they're coming out with the Super Famicom, you know, in Japan and Europe, while we're here in the U.S., was known as the Super Nintendo. So Sega, you know, coming off the turbo, you know, cells of the Master System, we're going to come out with a new um, console called the Mega Drive, also known as the Sega Genesis here in the U.S., And, you know, they were coming up. They wanted to have a new mascot. They had a mascot before called Alex Kidd. But the game series didn't sell what they anticipated. They didn't make, like, the, the revenue that he wanted. So they decided to go back and pretty much uh, come out of the design in the 90s. So pretty much they wanted to create, you know, according to from Polygon.com, you know, this is an article for Polygon. So pretty much Naruto Oshima and Hirokazu Yashohara were tasked for creating a character that could take out Mario. Sonic the Hedgehog was born of a desire to create a cool company-defined mascot for Sega. An icon that could sell millions of Nintendo fans onto the Genesis. Pretty much, uh, they said here, most of my Sonic's history is well-known, but at GC 2018 today, Oshima and lesser known as it's about the creation of Sega's favorite Hedgehog. Um, Oshima was responsible for Sonic's visual design and now works at our Zest Corporation developer that works closely with Nintendo. Yashihiro, who worked on Sonic Hedgehog's maps and game size now at Unity Technology Japan. Like I said, going back in 1990, you know, they, Sega wanted to make, you know, a new character to be, like, the next generation. Um, they had Alice Kid, Flicky, you know, Flicky was like a bird. And pretty much, um, they went to, like, different, uh, design. Pretty much, they went to different, um, design formats. First, uh, they wanted to find a way. They went to different things, like a kangaroo. They went, pretty much, like, they did a kangaroo and, like, a rabbit, um, but they went to so many designs where, you know, pretty much, uh, like I said, they went through different designs until they came up with a name called, uh, Mr. Nino Mouse. <laughs> it was like the nickname for this character. Um, uh, pretty much, uh, now took some of the designs and pretty much, um, went to, he went on a trip to New York City. Apparently, um, uh, Got some feedback by asking random passerbys at Central Park for their opinions. The spike design, the spiky two hedge on the sheet code name is Remos, led this informal poll, followed by Eggman, the dog character. Well, she felt that people selected because it transcends race and gender and things like that in return to Japan. Well, she pitched this to the department, and the hedgehog was also selected as a new mascot. Um, pretty much what they said, this is the Wikipedia article, that the detailed design of Sonic was aimed to be something that could be easily drawn by children and be familiar, as well as exhibit a cool attitude, representative of the United States at the time. Sonic's blue pigmentation was chosen to match Sega's cobalt blue logo, and his shoes evolved from design inspired by Michael Jackson's boots with the addition of the color red, which is inspired by both Santa Claus and the contrast of his color on Jackson's 1987 album Bad. His personality was based on then-presidential candidate and later president of the United States, Bill Clinton's get-it-done attitude during the 1992 presidential campaign. To help to sell the idea to Sega higher-ups, Oshima Kanemorich pitched the concept framed by a fictional fighter pilot had earned the name Hedgehog due to his spiky hair and had decorated his play with it was just Sonic. When the pilot retired, he married a mature book author who wrote stories about Sonic the character, the first which became the plot for the first Sonic game. Oshima stated that his influence could be seen in the logo of the game, which features Sonic in a pilot's wing emblem. So that kind of explains it all a little bit what, why the Sonic logo when he blew up the game on the Genesis kind of has that little logo about it. Uh, pretty much, 
They, uh, like I said, people think uh, Yuji Naka was like the first creator side, but it was actually a group of people that actually came up with the character itself. And according to Wikipedia here, the origin side can be traced farther back to a tech devil created by Yuji Naka, who had developed by algorithm that allows Sprite to move smoothly on a curve and determine its position with a dot matrix. Naka's original prototype was a platform game that involved fast-moving character rolling the ball through a long, windy tube. This concept is to fleshed out with Oshima's character design and levels conceived by designer Hirokazu Ushuhara. So pretty much Sonic had pretty much a group of, you know, he was developed by like three or four people. So it's like, again, like, I know a lot of people, like, they still say Yushinaka being the sole creator Sonic, but honestly, I can tell that he was developed by, you know, a bunch of people. Like, Shigeru Miyamoto is credited, you know, being the father of all the current Nintendo characters and... Okay, Fune is one of the creators of Mega Man because a lot of people were saying he was the main, you know, the main creator of Mega Man. No, apparently he wasn't. Apparently, um, Ifuni said in an article that he wasn't the first father of Mega Man. Like, someone else came up with the idea and he helped that other person out. But pretty much that person didn't want to take sole credit, so Ifuni was the one who ended up getting most of the fame for that character. But it was two creators of Mega Man. It's kind of similar to the whole, um... Bob Kane with Batman and like Bill Finger, you know, they both came up with Batman. But usually Bob Kane was more famous until later, years later, they killed that Bill Finger documentary that he was the the second father to Batman. So it was kind of like, here in Case Point with Sonic, it's like, his group developed by a group of developers working at Sega at the time. Um, so it says here about the gaming, it says Sonic was created with the ability to Without the ability to swim because of mistaken assumption about using Naka that all hedgehogs cannot do so. And it said here in the first game, like a group of 50 people started working on the first Sonic Hedgehog game and made themselves a Sonic team. So, um, if you want to see, you can look up the, the bio here. Maybe they have it here because apparently, um, here in the US uh, with Sonic, you know, he had two different origin stories. Like the character itself had two different origin stories. Um, because, of course, you had Sega in Japan, and it was Sega of America. So, um, let's see if I can pull up the origins here. Because there was one I read, ah, what, what was the... Let's see if I can find something here. Because apparently there was different origins and pretty much, you know... That, you know, who he was, like, his different origin story. Let's see, I can look it up here. So just find some other. I mean, the comics usually have one, too, but... Well, I read like do it like this. Like he has like two different origin stories. Um, trying to see if I can find something here. Because how like Sega had like because there was Sega of America and were, Sega of Japan. You were more than likely to run into him your first exposure being if you played a video game. If your friend had the Sega Genesis, he most likely had Sonic. It was fucking the biggest thing ever on Sega, because it was a really big against Super Nintendo, so Sonic was very popular next to Mario. I mean, it was kind of like pretty pretty even, it's like you couldn't hate on it. It was like a DC and Marvel kind of deal, 
I mean, they had that kind of level relationship where you couldn't... Both games were entertaining enough. And as a video game fan, it's hard not to play both titles. They're both very fun platformers in general. It's like they're part of the essentials. And Sonic is going to be in there. It's like it's hard not to go... It's hard not to at least play some of his games. I mean, he's a... I guess he's kind of OG in, in video game history. Okay, here we go. This is what Sega describes Sonic. Um, pretty much, according to various official materials from Sega, Sonic describes a character who's like the wind. A drifter lives life as he wants, makes lives of serious events and adventures. Sonic hates oppression and staunchly defends freedom. Although he is mostly quick with easy going, he has a short temper and is often impatient with sore things. Sonic is an habitual daredevil, hedgehog who's honest, loyal to friends, keeps his promises, and dislikes tears. He took the young tails on his wing like a brother and aren't interested in marital proposals from any rose. In time crisis forces him at a challenge as if his personality is undergone as not as change. But of course, um, like I said, back on then, like Sega, like just Sega Japan, like Sonic's origin was pretty much, you know, he was like a rebel, you know, he was inspired by punk music, apparently he had a rock band, uh, he had a girlfriend named Madonna. But of course, when translated that, and he had fangs, but it all changed when. Pretty much, um, he came over to the U.S. when Sega America decided to make him chubbier, make him more streamlined. They had a different character designer and came up with the whole concept that he likes chili dogs and stuff. So, so they made him more American. <laughs> like, yeah, like appealed to more of a Western audience. I mean, that was funny interesting about the Eggman thing because a lot of people was like Eggman had two names because in Japan. Well, apparently, um, Eggman was basically one of the first designs, you know, like one of the designers um, made a costume of Eggman. It was like like an old man with big glasses, uh, big mustache with glasses and a sleeping pajama. There's big, big, round and pudgy, and they call him Eggman. Of course, you know, at the time when, you know, they went and printed out the manuals, somehow in the U.S. they felt Eggman wasn't... It wasn't pretty much like... It, they thought it wasn't going to sell, so they ended up changing the name to Robotnik. So he had, basically they had he had two names, but of course that pretty much merged together when they came out with Sonic Adventures, pretty much merging U.S. and Japan. So pretty much made Sonic, you know, the Japanese name of Eggman, pretty much synonymous throughout and now. But that was kind of interesting that there was a little detail in that. So I mean, this is a character, like I said, before we hit to the movie, he's been on comic books, lunch boxes, TV shows, cartoons. You name it, he was the big thing in the 90s. Um, the one thing that, like I said, besides the games, the one thing I became a fan was more of Sonic was you'll collect in the comics. You know, Sonic the Hedgehog by Archie Publications was my first comic book. Even though I know Batman, well, Batman Spider-Man, you know, Captain Marvel, Sonic was my first comics. That was my first, like, comic book collecting was Sonic the Hedgehog. I remember going to a grocery store and, you know, pretty much seeing a Sonic comic. I'm like, what? They made him into a comic now? And then I was into the cartoons, but there was Adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog, and of course, um, Sonic um, the Hedgehog that came out on ABC on Saturday mornings, also known as Sonic Side M, that became a big fan base. Um, that's a really interesting one, but I'd like to get into that as well, because there's been like a lot of like stories of why it ended after two seasons. At first, people thought it was the ratings. It wasn't the case. Uh, people thought later on it was, you know, it was Power Rangers, because the Power Rangers grew up around that time. Um, pretty much before we get into that, let's get into Adventure Side Hedgehog because I know Biko, you pretty much caught that. So it came out like in '93, so you probably caught a little bit at the tail end when they were doing reruns. 
Oh yeah. It was more like the slapstick, kind of like a Looney Tunes. Yeah. Esque. I mean, it was. Don't get me wrong. It was really good. I mean, I mean, base like it was like basically like it was a gag driven adventure. Like pretty much it's Sonic and Tails and you know that Eggman on there. But the Eggman they designed here was I could tell they designed this from. This is more like the cartoons version of Eggman. It wasn't like the. Because when they announced all oh, soccer teams coming out, they got Sonic and Tails. But uh, with Eggman, they got at first I thought it would, he looked just more like his Japanese, you know, counterpart. But I think for this one, because I think the studio was done by the studio, like in France, it was by Bohan Entertainment in the studio. Um, and it was like they were trying to do like pretty much, uh, yeah, by Bohan Entertainment, they're like pretty much a franchise. You got Deke Animation, who's synonymous with different cartoons back in the early 90s. You know, they did the Super Mario Bros. Super Show, Legend of Zelda. Um, they did a lot of animated shows at that time. And of course, you know, they decided to change it up a little bit. Like, yeah, they mentioned like, people thought, oh, this is gonna be a taking on the video game. But now it was pretty much loosely based. I mean, they took the kind of, you know, Sonic's fast, Tails was with them. So you got the Sonic and Tails dynamic. And of course, Robotic always trying to Capture Sonic, that was his whole purpose was capturing Sonic, you know, very much, and take over Mobius. And, um, of course, uh, he's joined by Scratch and Grounder, um, who pretty much are his badniks. Um, and pretty much the voice cast, I just pulled the cast list, and, you know, the first version of the person, I mean, there's, like, American voice, because, I mean, John Sonic had many Japanese voice actors back in the day, um, but the first American one was somebody you never expected the voice of a video game character. Um, actually, Julia White, if you guys don't remember. Steve Urkel, Family Matters, voice Sonic the Hedgehog. And looking at one of the interviews, because I had the Sonic the Hedgehog Saturday morning DVD, and they had a bonus feature where it's like an interview with Julia White. He said the idea, when I read the interview, when I watched the interview, um, pretty much what he said was when he was coming up with the vocal tone for Sonic, he wanted to make it where Sonic, like, 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 he didn't have an accent or anything like that. He was trying to make, like, a balance. And pretty much Sonic has no race. Like, he didn't want to make Sonic sound, you know, too much African-American. But pretty much speaking, Sonic yeah, not having any race at all. Like, he was just trying to make a different, you know, version of his tone, his vocal tone. But if you watch Fan Match, you hear a little bit of Sonic in the later seasons. But, and it was cool that he became, you know, synonymous with being Sonic. You know, besides, you know, being typecast as, like, Steve Urkel. They had him, uh, Christopher Welch, and Tails. Um, Long John Baldry was Robotnik. Um, nobody realized he was actually a magician as well, a uh, musician as well. So he actually had a band as well. Oh, he's a magician. Uh, not magician, magi- musician. Sorry. Mm-hmm. God dang, he was a magician on the side job. That's pretty cool. Yeah, um, Long John Baldry, like he was always synonymous with voice acting, but he was a voc- Yeah, he was uh, one of the first British vocalists to sing the blues in clubs. He was a can- English Canadian blues singer and voice actor. Um, he shared a stage with the Rolling Stones and the Beatles. Do you have a band? Um, his name is band. Let me see if I can find here. Enjoy podcast. I said with the Let the Hearts Begin reached number one in the UK. Let me see here. Um, he was born in 1941. He lived to 2005. Um, hmm. these are the big acts that he was associated with. Uh, Blues Incorporated, RB All Stars, Hoochie Coochie Man, Steam Packet, Bluesology. He was with. He worked with Elton John, with Rod Stewart. So he worked oh. with a lot, and like he worked with the Beatles as well. So awesome. So yeah, I mean that. I mean, that was interesting. Like with he him, he passed away in two thousand five. Yeah, um, he had Garrett Chalk as well as Grounder. Um, he had Ian James Corlett. If you don't remember, he was the voice of Mega Man. 
in the series. Gary Chalk has been like they got guys who did voice work. Um, and you got Phil Hayes. Um, Ian Corey was coconuts, pretty much. Uh, Gary Chalk was grounder. Phil Hayes was scratch. Grounder and scratch. So grounder was pretty much just like almost like tank looking thing. Yeah, he has mm-hmm. arms for like drills, but he can like change his arms. He's like a utensil, basically like a Swiss Army knife on wheels. Scratch was like a giant chicken, <laughs> pretty much like a, like a rooster. And coconuts, of course, was the monkey, you know, who was always relegated to being like a like a janitor, like a janitor, basically. So he was like a janitor, always wanted a robotic rooster and a robotic monkey. Yeah, because <laughs> he was trying to like you know, pretty much. I mean, and he had like these are actors who will go on. And be like, um, most of what I remember, most of these names, actually, Kathleen Bars, I'm not to recognize when I can see in this cast list. Scott McNeil, who was known as Rat Trap from, and, and Gary Chalk, they were on Beast Wars. Yeah. So a lot of these names were, you know, sounds they were doing the water work as well. But like I said, it was a really good voice cast, you know. And yeah, I mean, the show ran for like 65 episodes. It ran from 1993... From September 6th to December 3rd, 1993, so 65 episodes, so pretty much spread out there at that time frame. I think the whole purpose was to make a cartoon with so many episodes just to be enough to make it into syndication. Um, and he did a Christmas special, which is kind of funny because they added the character, which I'm going to discuss in the next um, cartoon generation. I'm going to sign a Christmas blast, but that didn't get released to 96. And I actually have it on DVD. What? I actually have Sonic Christmas Blast on DVD, and it was like the whole at that time Sonic Blast 3D Blast was on the on the Sega Saturn and the Sega Genesis at that time. So the capitalized on the word Blast, they decided to come out with Sonic Super Blast. It was almost like a Christmas special, but it kind of to me it was almost like a transition to the the current the the next cartoon, which probably is. Oh. The most like recognizable one that has the biggest fan base, and apparently, according to, I think there's a Kickstarter on actually for this cartoon of doing that on air season three, um, which is which I'm going to get into is Sonic, what's simply titled Sock the Hedgehog, which came out on ABC in the year. Let's see, so it, was, it was aired around the same time as Adventure Sonic the Hedgehog, aired about September 1993 and ended to 1994. But that was crazy because you had two Sonic cartoons, so you had twice the Sonic, you know. You wanted the lighthearted stuff, you watched the Sonic Hedgehog. But Sonic the Hedgehog itself, also known as Sad M, Sonic Sad M, um, was more dark. It was more drama filled. Yeah, there were some comedic moments in the second season, but honestly, it was dark because, you know, I think with the dark tones on the characters, was more like almost. Almost synonymous with like Batman, the animated series. Because remember, Batman came out like around '92 at that time, so that was like that dark, greedy old Ninja Turtles with that too in '96. For the last two seasons, they went the whole dark and greedy arc type way with the dark tones and everything. But this was like, honestly, um, it was done by uh, yeah, it was this American Italian animated series. So there was a, it was still produced by Deke Entertainment. But um, the Italian studio Retalia SPA was associated with Telesico was the one to help with the animation process. Um, like I said, it's called Sad Am, so Sonic Sad Am. Um, it aired on ABC from, like I said, September 18, 1993 to December 1994, continuing reruns until 95. A third season was planned, but ABC canceled the show, ending it with a cliffhanger and spice cancellation. A fan following has elevated the series to become a call hit. The show also inspired video game Sonic Spinball and long running comic book series of the same name. Um, 
like I said, and this is the plot from the Saturday morning from the Saturday morning cartoon. Um, the series takes place on Mobius, a planet mostly populated by anthropomorphic animals. The kingdom of Ancorn, based on within the city of Mobotropolis, was at war with an unseen enemy. The king recruited human scientist Julian to build war machines to end the war with a victory. However, during peacetime, Julian and his nephew Stively launched a coup d'etat against the kingdom. The king is banished to another dimension. The void and the citizens are captured and transformed into mindless robots through a machine called the Roboticizer. Julian renamed himself as Dr. Robotnik. Now the steel-hearted dictator Mobius Mobotropolis is renamed Robotropolis, a polluted factorial cityscape. Pretty much like a, much like a dark, gringy factory. Dystopian type. thing. Dystopia yeah. thing. And it's kind of like a different origin to Eggman. Like, it's kind of like... Just terrible. Um, Like I said, and then, of course, you have Robotnik finds himself opposed by a small collective group called the Freedom Fighters. Uh, who operate out of a secluded within the village now hole. They're led by Sonic the Hedgehog, and, they get, and this is when he gets a whole group. Um, Tails is there as well. Um, but he's not, you know, at that time, he's more treated as, like, a kid. You know, he doesn't go on many adventures, like, as opposed to, like, you know, adventures of Sonic the Hedgehog. But in here, um, he's joined by Princess Sally Acorn, who's the daughter of the king. Uh, race includes Sonic's best friend, Miles Tails Prower, technical expert, Broder the Walrus, French accented Coyote, Antoine de Pardieu, Half robotic size, Bunny Rabbit, and Dulcie the Dragon. Half robotic size, Surgency against Robotics Regime. Sonic uses the Power Ring, so you get the little element from the video game here. Um, to gain a temporary boost in power, both in the rings and the robotics are designed by Sonic's Uncle Chuck while in the Victor's machine. Well, it's kind of cool because, I mean, Uncle Chuck pretty much, um, so Sonic has some family. In that time, he invented Robotics, but it was supposed to help people, you know, who were mm -hmm. sick, make them live longer, but of course, Robotics sabotage the machine. And eventually turn into mindless slaves, pretty much. And like I said, the whole, whole purpose was pretty much the Free Fighters was trying to find ways to end robotics tyranny, restore, you know, Robotropolis, back to Mobotropolis, and restore peace to Mobius. It was pretty much robotic, was pretty much polluting the half of the planet, taking rally resources just for the game, or rebuilding robots and taking over the world. And with Sonic being like, this is like, this was like a dark series because it was like, they're going in there, pretty much risking their lives and pretty much trying to stop certain plots. You know, there's times where Sonic, you know, has to make tough choices, you know. His uncles are biasized, but there's times where he wants to free his uncle. But eventually, you know, later on in the series, his uncle does re get his memory back. He does get his willpower back. And um, it was, like I said, um, and the voice cast for this one was great. I mean, they had your little like back as Sonic, but his Sonic in this one was more serious. I mean, yeah, there were some times when he was comedic, you had that goofiness from Sonic and Sonic Hedgehog. Well, I think this take on Sonic was more, I would say, not more human-esque, but more, yeah, a little greedy on that one. Then you got Charlie Adler, who's the work on, you know, so many cartoons, like Robot, Ch like, um, Cow and Chicken, um, Rocko's Wine Life. He's done so many, um, Christine Cavanaugh, who was, um, as Chucky Finster, Dexter, She's uh, Goslin Mallard from Darkwing Duck, and she's done other work as well. Um, Jim Cummings, who's honestly the legend, <laughs> because he's done so many voices for Disney. Um, also, Winnie the Pooh, you know, if you guys remember from Disney, or Pete. Um, Bradley Pierce will end up playing Tails. I know he's one little voice actor. He's done some voiceover work. Um, Rotor had two. Uh, Rob Paulson. Another legend, you know, Pinky from Pinky and the Brain, Raphael from Team Mutant Ninja Turtles, Yakko Warner. Um, man, he's done a lot. <laughs> like, I tried to name all the roles, but then you had um, 
Rotor had two voice actors. He had Mark Bellew for season one and McCann Bellew in season two. Cass Sosi, who pretty much another big voice actor. She's done so many voice work, work mostly on Rugrats as well. And Frank Welker. I mean, it's like, this was a big cast. This was, this was a big, and Chris Summer ends up joining them in season two as Dulcie the Dragon. So, and it's like, you got these big, like, like voice actors to do this project. And the funny thing is, for season two, when they decided to do, like, the whole time travel thing, they brought Tim Curry to play Tim freaking Curry, the legend Tim Curry man, Doctor Freaking Curry to play King Acorn, and it's like that's freaking awesome. Like bring him on there, and like I said, this series lasted like twenty six episodes. Um, and of course, they did a pilot. Um, and of course, the animation was a little different. In the first episode because it was like transitioning from people think it is more of a transition from the like hard as a sign, but just like Hedgehog to more gritty. And of course, the reason why I was talking about Christmas Blast was that it was like a transition because Princess Sally makes an appearance in Christmas Blast, but there was no voice work. She just made like short cameos on there and there. But here, they show her first look. And then, um, of course, they fix it up in the second episode, Sonic Boom. And like I said, these episodes were really great. I had the DVD because finally, after years after that show ended, they finally released it on DVD. I mean, I remember they had fans found like the TV rips from a different channel or something <laughs> but luckily you know Shout Factory who are known for bringing old shows getting licenses back from old shows um, were able to get the rights to Sonic the Hedgehog and what was cool is um, when Ken Penders who was one of the tag time they worked, he wrote worked on he was an artist that worked on the Sonic Hedgehog comics designed the, the cover for the DVD box set and in the inside if you open up the box the, the case it came in all fan art like fans actually donated and what's cool like the second disc actually included a PDF file which you can like if you have a computer you get a PDF and this you get the official script the pilot you get the full pilot script plus the notes from the pilot episode of Sonic the Hedgehog so you actually get like you see like the, the production notes and everything and dialogue and everything so that was kind of cool and that is like a thank you to the fans like I said Shout Factory you know, they brought all these shows back but it's kind of hard with Shout Factory because um yeah they get these new shows but the problem is kind of hard to get the music rights to certain programs because of you know copyright fees and stuff mm-hmm. so like I said um, like I said it's been like a debate why this show was cancelled at first they thought you know it was the ratings and all that, but I think later on... Because it sucked, guys. It was not a debate. Later on, it wasn't the writing. You know, they did have... Um, they had some plans to write in our season, but pretty much they said, like, Ben Hurst, you know, he passed away recently. He was one of the head writers for Sonic the Hedgehog. They had a season three plan because season two ended on a cliffhanger. They were to continue on. Um, and... They said that pretty much it wasn't, you know, ABC. You know, they claimed that ABC canceled it, but years later it was discovered that pretty much um, Sega was the one that pulled the plug on the show. Because they felt that they weren't portraying the character what they wanted them to be portrayed as. So it was like Sega was the one that did it. Which to me, that was bull because it was, to me, it was really good. But. Pretty much, you know, they there are like there's a fan comic called season three. People made a fan comic that got all backing, and right now, like I said, right now as we speak, um, they are working on. Group of fans are working through a Patreon. That they're making like an animation project. Mm-hmm. It's being backed by fans, and you know they did like a little teaser, 
of, you know, the, the render of Sonic and Sally. Um, pretty much thanking the fans for hopefully if you're backing them, they get, you get your name like as a producer in the movie as well. So, uh, like, I don't know if they're doing this a film, possibly. Um, that's this year, Ben Hurst, before he passed away, he was trying to attempt to pitch an anime film by a series. Ken Penders was a head writer of Sonic Hedgehog Comics. He apparently scrapped his attempt and later bring up the Sega, his own concept from a film titled Sonic Armor again. He created four concept parts in a homemade pitch video. But the project was eventually scrapped, according to Penders. It was canceled in 2007 due to a massive corporate upheaval. And of course, we got the comic book, which was became one of the longest. UK had one called Sonic the Comic. So they, had, they gave their own origin of Sonic, which he was just a normal hedgehog. And Eggman was working with something, and it was like explode. He was like he was researching the chaos emeralds, and something happened where Eggman, you know, lost his hair, became maniacal. He was a big red mustache. Sonic, who was like a normal hedgehog, ended up turning blue, ended up having super speed. Um, and then you know, Archie Comics was pretty much more of a continuation of the Saturday morning cartoon. So a lot of the characters that appeared on the summer cartoon. Ended up coming out of the comics, and you know, later on, it branched out to so many stories, spin offs, and ultimately, the comic series ended roughly around, I would say, about a few years ago. They were in the middle of the whole Sonic CD adaptation arc, and they just sent out a cliffhanger like they never continued after that. And pretty much, I didn't pretty much say they just pulled a license. I don't know if it was because of poor sales or I don't know what happened. It had a big fan base. I was collecting since day one. And then, of course, I was happy to relieve that IDW picked up the rights to Sonic the Hedgehog and decided to, they brought in one of the writers, um, Ian Flynn, to come write the series. And pretty much um, that pretty much takes over, takes after Sonic Forces. So it's more like focus on the game. Like it takes place after a game. And this more like they, they're creating new characters for it with the for the series. And not only influenced teasing. Spiders are asking if he's ever thinking about bringing in the Sonic, Sonic Sonic more cartoon characters, but I think I don't know because of rights and stuff. Have to wait and see what Sega says first. So it's like, it's like their call. But that's kind of cool. Um, and of course, Sonic, you know, he had another cartoon. Like I said, we're going to break down the cartoons, then we're going to get to the movie. Um, like I said, it's the 50th episode. I'm going to go all out with Sonic. So sorry, guys, if I'm rambling too much on Sonic. Um, like I said, the next one he ended up doing, of course, is Sonic Underground. Um, like I said, this was done, of course, the productions, um, pretty much, uh, they co-produced it, but it was done by Les Studios Tex in France, um, so, actually, it, it came out in France first, uh, I remember seeing trailers for it later on on YouTube or some websites, and it was only in French first, um, and also it came out a little bit in Canada first before it came here to the U.S., I think it didn't make it here to the U.S. until, um, I think, like, late 2000, 2001. And pretty much, um, they brought Julio White to voice Sonic. But the problem is he wasn't voicing just Sonic. He was voicing two other characters. Apparently, they decided to give Sonic siblings. Pretty much, they were triplets. So, it was Sonic, Manic, and his, and their sister, Sonya. And Sonic, uh, I mean, Julio White, give props for him. He ended up doing... The female characters as well, but singing voice was done by somebody else, so they had different actors doing the singing voices. Because it was all about music they had musical powers from the medallions. Pretty much they had Mobius. Um pretty much um Robike at that time um gets backed by aristocrats, by the rich people. So he uses like financial gain to overthrow the kingdom and um pretty much Sonic's mom was a queen. 
um, robotic took over, pretty much turned people to like half cyborg robots, and um, let the aristocrats stay and play it because he was threatened by an oracle revealed to him that he was going to get that he was going to be overthrown. Um, the queen was visited by the Oracle of Delphia, so pretty much told her that she needs to leave her children. She has to say goodbye to her kids, and this she'll be reunited with them later on when they're older. And but together, we'll take down Robotnik. So Sonic and all of them were separated, you know, when they were kids. Um, and then, of course, Sonic still had Uncle Chuck. Well, we got to see Uncle Chuck, Uncle Chuck for a little bit. He was the only returning character from Sonic Saturday morning. Um, sat in for a little bit in the first episode. And this also, too... Um, also marked the debut of Knuckles. Made his debut in the animated verse. Um, I know there's a Sonic OVA, which I'm, I'm going to get to you guys because a lot of people say that's the Sonic movie. I'll get to that as well. Um, this show went to 40 episodes. Um, that was another long-running series, but it never ended. And it also another cliffhanger. So we never got to see Sonic pretty much reunite. The siblings never reunite with their mom. Um... And like I said, um, like I said, it was like I said, it was shown in France and Canada, and like I said, we got barely got it here later on in the U.S. And um, what kind of cool with the comics is they decided um, they made Sonic Underground one of the parallel universes in that time, but eventually they were supposed to do a uh, they had a spinoff series called Sonic Universe, was a spinoff comic series, and they were originally supposed to do a follow up to Sonic Underground, and eventually it got changed. I don't know because of rights or anything. Maybe because of the rights to the characters. Or she said no. But. I mean the, the show was alright. I mean I had the DVDs of it. Because you know I'm a Sonic Collector. Um, the sequences you know that music segments. Um, which branched different types of music. And like I said it was like one season four episodes. So. Well, that was it. Um, and then we didn't see a Sonic cartoon for like a few years. Um, which brings us. To the Sonic the Hedgehog OVA, which I will bring it up right now because it's technically when it was released here in the U.S. as um, Sonic the Hedgehog the movie. It was developed. It was distributed by ADV Films. Um, honestly, there's a Japanese version dub on YouTube. There's the English dub. I hated the English dub. I'm sorry. I promise I was only access to the VHS. I saw VHS at that time and. Um, the animation was good. Sega, you know, they incorporated uh, Studio Pro, who's known for um, Naruto, who worked on Naruto as well. Um, it was actually released in '96 as a two-part OVA. The first one was released on January 26, 1996. The first episode, the second episode was released in, 19, in March 22, 1996, respectfully. And I was released because you know Sega Dreamcast came out here in the US in '99, so they wanted to do a promotional thing, so they decided to go with Sonic the movie. Um, and pretty much the plot, so this was like a different take from the, the comics as well, like from the video game series as well. I mean, you have Eggman, he looks like the Eggman from the, from the video games, and you have Metal Sonic. You have Knuckles, you have Tails. Um, and here, pretty much, the setting, the setting of the series is called The World of Planet Freedom, which is split into two realms, the land of sky, the land of darkness... And pretty much the land of sky consists of an unknown number of continents that drift high in the stratosphere of the planet, all of them connected to a massive ice formation, serves to anchor them to the planet's surface below. According to Knuckles, if the ice network was destroyed, planet freedom's rotation will hurl the land of the sky into outer space, effectively killing everyone on it. 
The Land of Darkness is an actual surface of Planet Fino, post-apocalyptic wilderness with robotic and soul-living inhabitant. Land of Darkness can only be accessed in one of two ways, by wearing like portal in the Land of Sky or via warp zone. Actually, dimensional link to two points of Planet Fino, most of its terrain is on Tame Mountains, but a common serious location of Robotics Empire. Seared terrain strongly applied to Planet Fino is a post-apocalyptic Earth does build upon with flung islands, with certain landmarks for countries rules are those on New York City. And pretty much Eggman pretty much holds the president hostage, forcing Sonic and Tails to go and pretty much stop a generator that's about to blow up and they could set up a chain reaction. Of course, it was all a plot by Eggman to have Sonic face off his creation, Metal Sonic, who had the ability to copy Sonic's abilities, be able to study him and fight against him. Um, you probably catch the... Someone probably put it up on YouTube, but it was good. But if, I would say if you want to watch it, watch it in the original language because honestly, I couldn't stand the dub. I have it on VHS, but it's like it's been years since I've watched it. I've watched, I think I saw the Japanese dub. It was so much better. <laughs> the translation was so much better, so definitely check it out. Like I said, it was two episodes. It was like 96. Um, and of course, it brings us to Sonic X. Um, Sonic X was like Sonic's, uh, at that time, Sega decided to go back into animation again. Um... I remember reading the promotion materials on going on the Sonic fan size and they show like the poster and stuff. I'm like, I'm curious if they're going to bring this here in the US. And I was happy. They brought it and what kind of killed it was guess who ended up taking over the dub for the series? The infamous group that oversaw Pokemon, One Piece, Kirby's Adventure, right back at you, for kids entertainment. Who is the worst dub company ever? I say it. You can hate me all you want. It was shitty because with the edits and localization, taking stuff away, even taking words that weren't inoffensive, they were in charge of it. So they had their own dub actors. I'm not shitting on the actors. I was shitting on four kids in general. Like their production team it was horrible. Because honestly, that's because they said they wanted to appeal to kids. They wanted to take out things like drugs, references, alcohol, and stuff. They, they tweaked like certain things that did not make sense, and they cut certain things that to me were unnecessary. Um, and of course, Sonic X debuted here in the U.S. on the Fox Box. If you remember the Fox Box, people, that was the thing they had on Saturday mornings. But it aired from 2003 all the way to they did 70 episodes, which made it the longest running Sonic cartoon. Um, it ran for like two years, and. The dub was horrible because, I mean, the actors were all right. I mean, there were some recognizable voice actors. And one of them ended up staying on as the voice of Robotnik, the longest of all of them. Um, I forgot his name, but he became... Oh, Mike Pollock became synonymous as Eggman. So he was the only one from the four kids' voice cast to have a game, you know, to have the role... Pretty much he's the current role of Robotnik in the video games as well. Um... And I remember when they did Sonic 06, they decided to bring the, the, dub, the Sonic X English dub cast to voice the characters on there as well. But, and pretty much, you know, the dub was notorious. Like, the four kids of dub was notorious for, you know, they took the words out of billboards. They cut certain things. They ended up having their own, the song, had, instead of going with the, the Japanese song, which was really cool, um, they ended up, you know coming up with their own song and everything and it was just those days were so bad 
But other than that, it was popular and it was merchandise and stuff. Um, there was a big campaign about it. It was cool. I liked the animation. TMS Entertainment, you know, they've done a lot of film animations as well. It was good. I mean, I mean third season kind of like, and like the first season was the whole Sonic came to this world by accident. Um, trying to find a way to get back. He ends up befriending a human child named Chris. And eventually, they got back to the world. Uh, the first two seasons are basically stuck in their world and they end up bringing some elements for the games such as Shadow made his appearance in the second season they did a little Sonic Adventure type thing when um, the second season they merged the two worlds and then the two Earths and then of course it became unstable and they had to go back and then of course season 3 kind of like pretty much did void, stepped away from being Sonic which took place pretty much in space um I watched the Japanese sub. Um, I know Netflix just got the dub of um, Sonic X. I recommend, if you guys want to listen, hear it really well, check out the original Japanese sub. It's available It's available on Hulu. You check it out there. If you want to watch it on Pocket, rewatch it again, but in the Japanese language, because Sonic's Japanese voice actor is the same actor who does the voice of Sonic in the video games. And there's sometimes where they do use English in there for a little bit. Um, and the jokes kind of make more sense. So definitely check that out. Um, it's also on Hulu. So that's my little thing on Sonic. I don't know, Beacon, if you want to add anything before I head into the movie review. Like any, you know, who's like your favorite character or any video game of Sonic in the franchise or that was your favorite? Um, I like Knuckles. Uh, I think he's one of my favorite characters come out of the universe. Uh, especially just because like, I like him uh, at least the thing more or less that come from playing the games. I like playing the games. Uh, and Knuckles has always been a favorite character of mine that they like to insert. Uh, and as the years gone by, they just made more different type style of games. Just similar to Mario, how he just like gets different types of games that he's thrown in there, whether it's sports or adventure or Olympics. Like fucking Sonic gets that too. So uh, it was cool to see uh, his universe could expanded him and, and then uh, even from the beginning when he was knuckles is huge after we only saw we thought like it could only be Sonic and tails and then we get knuckles thrown in there and it's like what is on Sega Genesis and so it was still very early on in the game um, but no yeah review the movie because uh, it's doing so well I just saw that they posted up again the number <laughs> it's All doing right. very well again in the box office guys Guys, I'm going to try to convince Beagle to go see it because I definitely want to go see it again. <coughs> just so he, I want to get like his like takes on it. So basically, guys, um, just heads up. It is going to be... I don't want to give any spoilers because I don't know... I don't know if Spoiler, Beagle, okay. Sure, but yeah, I'm right. willing to go see it again. I'll see it when it comes out in like a month. <laughs> okay, so pretty much, guys, it is spoiler. Like I said, it, like I said, this character has so many origins, but I think the way the writers did it, um, they try to find a way... How he came to our world, basically. Um, the whole idea of how he came to our world, how he came to be. Um, pretty much, um, they had to find a way. Um, pretty much with Sonic, um, pretty much, uh, it, it opens up, you know, the sequence in New York. Um, sequence in San Francisco, pretty much. He's being chased. And what's kind of cool, the whole meta thing where he talks to us, hey, and he's like thinking... You might be wondering why why this issue is happening. So let's take a while back. So it's like, let's rewind. He does the voice sound effect. It's Ben Schwartz, if you don't remember his voice. Um, he's uh, He was Jean Raffio uh, Parks and Recreation. Um, he's the voice of Dewey Duck. 
on DuckTales right now, and now he got the task of playing Sonic, which to me, honestly, he was a good choice because um, I saw his interviews and stuff when he did the auditions. He's familiar with the Sonic franchise. Like he said, his favorite game is Sonic 2. It's like his favorite game of all time. Like my favorite Sonic series game, I would say from like first gen was Sonic 3. Because you had, you know, the option of being Sonic or Tails. Like, you had the option of picking each character. Tails had the ability to fly and swim. But if you do Sonic and Tails together, you, so Tails could pretty much carry Sonic up on certain places he can't reach. So that was kind of cool. So pretty much it opens up with that. It goes back. And we see a little bit of, you know, Sonic running to Green Hill Zone. And you hear, like, the familiar music. It was like a little Easter egg. It was like Sonic Mania. Song looks like from Sonic Mania. It might be the opening song from there. So he's speaking to Green Hill Zone. He's like, he's like, oh, this place is wonderful. I live on this island. Island country. Uh, pretty much, you know, there's loops you can run through. You can go over loop the loops. Um, um, go to crumbling bridges. And he's a baby at that time. And um, apparently he's he was raised... He has he has he doesn't know about much of his powers, but he was born with it, with speed. Um, he's been he was raised by an owl named Longclaw. That was his caregiver, and apparently um, he was he was taught to not show his powers a lot. But of course, he was a kid that time. He wanted to show off because he has that little you know attitude. You know, it's Sonic. You know, um, apparently he ends up getting pursued by. I didn't realize it. It was a tribe of echidnas. Um, they end up going after him because they want his power. So Longclaw pretty much gives Sonic a bag of rings, which we give a, which I thought was clever with the writing, to give us a purpose of the rings. Apparently, the rings are the ability to travel. They're used as warp rings. Mm-hmm. Because if you remember, in the first Sonic the Hedgehog game, where at the end of the level you see a, war, a ring, like a giant ring, and see if you jump yeah, into it, it takes the special. That was kind of cool. They took that concept and pretty much. Um, Longclaw well, gives her a bag, gives him, well, gives him the bag, and she's going to hold off, you know, the the kidna tribe to going after him because they want, you know, new Sonic's power. We don't know yet, but we'll see. And so Sonic gets sent, she sends Sonic to Earth, because apparently they have the ability, you have to wish where you want to go. And he left him a note and everything, and pretty much he gets sent to Earth, and he says, he's, he always see Longclaw for a few minutes, which it was kind of sad too, because there's some dialogue that reminds me of, um, a Sonic Underground too. Um, like, why? What about you? I, I don't want to go. And you know, she's and like, she's like, you gotta be safe. You got, you know. So he ends up getting sent to Earth, and pretty much, um, he ends up living in town, like a town called Green Hills, Montana. It's a Green Hills zone. Get it? Wow. And pretty much, um, people like he survives there for ten years. Um, what? So, but based on the thing is, um, he ends up like so he's narrating so. And pretty much he finds ways to survive. Like, he goes around. He's so fast. He speeds around the town. Pretty much um, gets everything he needs. He's reading Flash comics. He's got his ping pong table. Uh, he's got nunchucks. He's wearing a headband with the Sonic emblem, almost. Like, a new straight in there. Um, and he's reading the Flash comics. So, you know, the Flash. And, you know, just in hiding. But um, he tries to control his powers. Uh, he ends up seeing, like, he starts following this couple who are, you know, he's always the local sheriff, Tom Wachowski, and his veterinarian wife, Maddie, who he dubs the the sheriff, who's played by Jason Marsden, by James Marsden, by James Marsden, who you remember is Cyclops from the X-Men. Uh, he calls him the Donut Lord. <laughs> he gives him the name of the Donut Lord because he talks to donuts. <laughs> but he respects him because he's willing to help people, like a hero. 
Mm-hmm. Others, it's just like a small town. And then his wife, um, Maddie, who's uh, pretty much uh, played by Tika Sumter, who you recognize. She, I think she was in films as well. I think she's recently, she's recently on a show about Mixish right now. This is why she calls she calls he calls her the pretzel lady because she because I think caught her doing yoga or something so she can stretch and stuff because she stretches like a pretzel but she she sees that she helps like animals and stuff and cares she's a veterinarian and like I said there's some line that he's like oh I get to watch movies with everyone and like he's watching a movie and he's outside the window he's waiting to see what movie they're gonna play and stuff and like he's observing them pretty much. And like he, and then of course there's Crazy Carl who's like everyone thinks he's crazy because he sees like a blue demon, uh, the blue devil. And of course he shows like a sketch and it's basically Pokefall the, the Sanic meme. I don't know if you remember the Sanic meme. It was a bad design of Sanic, they call him Sanic. Oh, and so pretty much, um, the next thing, you know, that's the beginning of it. And you know, it's normal. Then um, one night he decided, uh, he was observing a baseball game. But there's one sequence I do enjoy, like, this is turtle about to get run by a car. So I gets up running by, picks up the turtle, and starts running with him. He's like, oh, guy, you okay? And then he's running with the turtle. The turtle's, like, open his eyes. Like, he's experiencing the speed. Like, it's all fast. And the funny thing is, the film, you know, the James Marsden, like, the character Tom, he's doing the, he's at a speed trap. It's so slow. He sees a turtle. And then he sees side rushing by versus, like, 296. He thinks the thing like 250 miles per hour. He's thinking all the things broken. Then it speeds again, 300 miles. So Sonic's basically trying to match his time or something. He's basically messing with him. And then of course he leaves. He gets a call. And like I said, turtle leaves the secrets with the turtle. So I guess the saving the turtle. And also dropping the turtle. We went Sonic's running speed by bomb back, and the turtle got like exhausted from the run. And like I said, it takes him to his lair and stuff. And then he has a bomb. He ends up knowing about people at the town because of, you know, observations over the years and stuff. Because it's a small town. Um, he ends up watching a baseball game. And, of course, Sonic, you know, he feels he's lonely because, like I said, he had long claw. But he, now he had nobody. But he's all watching the baseball game. And, of course, Sonic does the whole thing when he plays against himself because he's so fast. And he has a home run. It gets to the point where he gets so frustrated. Like, lightning starts, like, his power starts, like, going ahead of him. I think it's, like, the light speed. So it starts building up like this whole energy is building up around him. He gets so frustrated, it explodes and it becomes like it creates like electromagnetic pulse. So she, she's all like across the nation. And hope and so it's like hope nobody hope I didn't get in trouble or anything. And then of course the government takes notice about the blackout, thinking it was like a terrorist attack or something. So they end up um enlisting uh Dr. Robotnik, who's in this film he's portrayed by Jim Carrey. Um, pretty much, he's uh, an expert in drone mechanics, uh, robotics, the drone technology. So they bring him along, and um, pretty much we get to see his appearance. And it's Jim Carrey, and it's like I haven't seen Jim Carrey in a while. And his mannerisms—it's like almost like Ace Ventura-like, but more darker. And his look was not bad; like he had the mustache, but he has like that curled hipster mustache. And of course, his hair is cut. But this is like an origin story, guys. So it's like an origin. And just, and he's an expert uh, drone technician. Like his drones are really cool. Like they're all expert and stuff. And probably he's there to observe and try to see what this thing was. And it becomes like a whole chase where eventually, um, Sonic sees he's being pursued by the government and ends up hiding out in Tom's house. Um, of course you get the scene when he's he's about to warp, and of course, um, in the book in the in the bag, 
there was a map and there's like little worlds he can go to. There was a world he wasn't there anymore. There's a mushroom world he hasn't gone to. And there's a thing like a gem, which I didn't realize was an Easter egg. There's a Chaos Emerald. Like a little drawing of the Chaos Emerald. He's like, oh, the next thing he wants, doesn't want to go to is a mushroom land. Mm. He's like, oh, God, there's nothing there but mushrooms. I was like, oh, God. I don't know if it was taking a knock at, uh, at uh, Nintendo, but he's about to escape. But of course, Tom ends up running into him. And he's like, ah, oh, meow. And he's holding the ring. And then the screen, he gets trank. And this time, Sonic doesn't have his red shoes, guys. He doesn't even have his red shoes. He has just had beat up shoes. You can tell his like flip shoes that he found, like, you know, from the trash can or something because they're all beat up and taped up and everything. So Tom ends up getting um, you know, he's creeped out, he talks, he thinks he's an alien, but uh, technically <laughs> he's still a little bit alien because you know it's it's a hedgehog, but not a normal looking hedgehog. Um Eggman ends up tracing, which kinda of cool the technology he uses to track the footprints, able to get the feet and everything and trace uh, everything to the house because I guess Tom one time found some one of Sonic's clothes. And of course it leads to like a chase. Which is a really good chase sequence. Uh, they're being pursued by Eggman, and pretty much um, it's like the big chase scene where they're driving the truck. They're trying to get to San Francisco because what Sonic did was to let the the rings end up going to San Francisco. So he gets on top of the building because he saw like Tom's shirt. So Tom like Tom character had a San Francisco shirt, so he saw it because he was trying to find a way to escape. After he got trank, the bag like the ring opened up. And pretty much the bag went on top of a building, so he pretty much asked Tom's help to take him to San Francisco to go grab the to grab the ring so he can go to the planet. So it became more like a buddy comedy type of thing, you know, the dynamic between Tom and Sonic was kinda cool. You know, human and um animal interaction. Like I said, I don't want to give too much of the movie because I want people to go see it, but um in short, and there are like some mid credit scene. There's a mid credit scene. Uh, and the closing credits is really good because it shows like the Sonic running through the game. So it's like a little Sonic kind of art through like the Sonic game. So um, the last fight with Eggman was really well, was good as well. And then Sonic finally, like this morning, I'm going to give you guys that Sonic finally calls Robotnik Eggman. Hmm. So you get the little nod. He doesn't say till the end. Yeah, he doesn't say because the way his thing looks like eggs. Like yeah. his drones look like giant eggs. Like, man, the thing looks like giant eggs. There's kind of, kind of Eggman or something. Yeah. So it's like. And the fight was really good, and then of course, um, mm. and of course, uh, to give you a spoiler, like, I don't want to get too much of the fight because it was a really good fight. Um, um, and like, there's a uh, there's a McCrest scene, which hopefully, like I'd say right now, hopefully it does sell for a sequel. Um, like Biko's saying, pretty much right now it is doing good. Um, the budget of this film is like $95 million, but right now, according to the update that Wikipedia so far globally is made $113 million right now. So we're going to probably see a sequel be made because they made back its money. So like I said, I don't want to get too much of the film, but I enjoyed it. I mean, this is a kid, like this is a family film. So, I mean, I think it too, I, you have to get credits to this um, Jeff Fowler, the director, and of course, um, and of course, you know, the studio, this uh, Paramount said, you know what, when the first trade came out, you know, I was excited there was a side movie. This was a thing that, you know, Sony had the rights, but they didn't move forward with it. And Paramount took over, they're like, oh, we're going to do a live-action slash CG film. And I was I was excited for it. I mean, a lot of names were tied to it. Um, like, I think for the human character, I think they had, like, Chris Evans, Paul Rudd, and, of course, James Narsen ended up winning for that one. Um, and then they lost Jim Carrey's the villain. I'm like, oh, okay, cool, that's kind of interesting. 
Um, and of course, they did the first trade, and of course, the first wild side. I understand they wanted to go for realism, but oh my god, it was horrible. <laughs> it was so weird, and it got so much backlash that Jeff Fowler woke up and said, you know what, we did the fans wrong. Because we didn't take that into consideration, so they decided to delay the film, which was supposed to come out last year, and put and decided to go back and redid the character. And they brought in a team to work on it. They brought in Tyson Hess, who did the opening animatics for Sonic Mania. He came and gave his input like on the character, and you know they, they redid it, and he looked more like his video game counterpart. Um, the shoes he ended up getting—I forgot to mention—the shoes he got are Pumas. Um, he gets it from Tom's wife Maddie's uh, niece. Who ends up giving her shoe, giving him shoes? That's one thing I want to do. Want to spoil how he gets his red shoes, which look pretty badass. And it kind of sucks that Puma only made five, but only limited. I don't know if it's for the production crew, but they look kind of cool. Well, people are making their own, <laughs> but um, and it was like like I said, when it comes to video game films, it's kind of hard to translate. But this film, to me, I enjoyed it. Um, the only thing I kind of. I mean, the film was like an hour and 40 minutes, but I think the 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 pace was kind of like, I wish, um, there's times where Sonic wasn't running, but it's like, there's times where the pacing was kind of fast, like, it did, the character film was too quick, I mean, I know a lot of people criticize, like, Eggman, it had much more of a, more of a backstory, but I think... What it did was they work where they can, you know. Like I said, video game origins are different, you know. Translating to that to movies is kind of difficult, but overall, I enjoyed the film. I think to me it was just the pacing, but other than that, I loved the film. Hopefully, they do a sequel. It's been like a long time coming. I think Sega had a plan for a film like back as '94. So, hopefully, like I said, it's doing really well. It did well. In the, I think like over the weekend, it did almost like 64 mil domestic and adding to the international then right now 101 million so they're pretty much are getting pretty much their budget back and more i think would have been like a president's day weekend to kind of like help as well i know the big market that probably won't get much is china because you know the coronavirus and stuff so um i said definitely guys check out side the hedgehog it's currently playing in theaters i'm planning to go see it again maybe this will bring Biko with me we can go see it again and you can see what he thinks of the film. Like I said, definitely enjoy it. Bring your kids. If you grew up on Sonic, you're definitely going to enjoy it. I know a lot of people... I always saw Vaughn negative review. That was on from the New York Times. To me, it sounds like a guy who... Thought it was too much aimed to kids. Was Honestly, it was a family film. It had to be aimed to the kids, you know. And I think this guy never played the video games. But, but like I said, there was a lot of positive reviews. I think... Um, score gave it an A for grade. And then... And then um, Brown Tomatoes, they gave it about 60-something percent. It was like 70. Still wasn't bad. And the audience gave like a 95% score. Um, IGN gave it a 5-something. Like 5-point-something. Like, really, guys? You're a video game magazine. You gave this up. You gave that rating. Come on. It had to be better Prince of Persia, guys. Come on. <laughs> but I digress. So, like I said, definitely check out that film. All right, Biko, I'm going to turn it over to you for your segment. Um, it came from Reddit. Oh, man, I, I had something, but I lost it. Uh, God damn it, I had to pull it up. Still trying to find it? 
Uh, yeah. Well, I guess I got like one thing really. It has Jeff Bezos donated ten billion dollars as a pledge to fight climate change, but it doesn't really mean anything. Pledge it to who? Are you pledging it to like actual facility that do that? Why don't you like? Why do these people not pledge it to actually their, their facilities that work for them to that pollute? Like I'm sure they'll try, they try to use that, but it's like I don't. Those vague pledges are ridiculous. Um, and then I saw that China has reduced the production of uh, Apple products, and Apple's reporting that uh, they're gonna get a big loss because of the coronavirus crap that's going on over there. So they had a. Uh, they're already telling people, I'm guessing the shareholders, that uh, they're going to be taking a loss in profits because of the production over there and not being able to sell their products because of the shutdowns of operations out in China. Um, what else? It, I think the world is uh, exploding and the coronavirus is still going crazy guys so uh yeah i sanitize. think i've read too like an animation a man i made right now is like the production is being like spent right now due to coronavirus um because i think it was, it's been hitting japan as well um low cases there are some few cases known in japan as well um and they did like one anime called uh a certain scientific rail gun um the third season they said production is going to be delayed for a little bit due to Coronavirus, but I think one of the studios they do contract either it works in China, I believe. Um, it's one of those things where a lot of people are saying it's almost like we're it's almost like the black plague almost. Like that's what a lot of the comparisons as well. And it's finally like the nineteen twenties, like it's like the year twenties usually synonymous with type with stuff big as that. Um I think I saw this thing, uh someone put it on Reddit. Um Somebody did a deep fake uh, scene where they swapped Michael J. Fox and Christopher Lloyd's faces from Back to the Future 1 and put um, superimposed Robert Downey Jr. and Tom Holland in their faces. So it's like Robert Downey Jr. playing Doc Brown and Tom Holland playing Marty. It looked kind of weird. It was like those deep fake type of segments, but I saw that on Reddit and I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> That's like pretty interesting. Um... And like I said, uh, and of course, um, if you're into sports, we got to give a shout out to sports, you know. Um, they had All-Star Week in Chicago, then City Game. <laughs> um, um, for your wrestling, uh, I think the All-Star Game was enjoyable. They said they, they actually played harder in the fourth quarter. It got it was a close game, but Team LeBron won over Team Giannis. Um, they donated $500,000 to kids' charities, and they had kids, they had the kids from the charity groups see with the players, you know, on the bench. That's kind of cool. Um, of course, uh, if you're a wrestling fan, um, NXT TakeOver was last night. Um, it, it hailed from Portland. It was like the first takeover on Sunday. I enjoyed it. It was like six matches. But honestly, my big takeaway from that was the Keith Lee and Dominic on Dijakovic match was awesome. That was a big match between two big men for the North American Championship. You know, it could have gone either way. Of course, Keith Lee ended up retaining. Um, and of course... Uh, Pete Dunne and Matt Riddle end up up, up, up overthrowing the Undisputed Era, becoming the new tag team champions. They're Rosa Waits. Uh, it was a good tag team match as well. It's good to see good tag team wrestling. Um, you had uh, Rhea Ripley retain against Bianca Belair. 
it was a good match, good match between two women, you know, for the NXT Women's Championship. Of course, Charlotte Flair ended up coming out and declaring that she's going to challenge Rhea Ripley at WrestleMania for the NXT Championship. So the NXT Championship Women's Championship will be defended at WrestleMania this year. Um, of course, on Dakota Kai and Tegan Knox, you know, centering their rivalry, their grudge into a street fight, which saw um, Raquel Gonzalez make her NXT debut, helping Dakota Kai win. And then you had uh, Finn Balor taking on Johnny Gargano, which pretty much was a grudge match. That was set up when Finn Balor went back to it. Surprisingly, when he turned to NXT. Of course, he turned heel. Now he's doing the heel Finn Balor to Prince. That he, the character he had when he was in New Japan Pro Wrestling. When he was a heel, he was like the Bullet Club and all of that. And it was like, you know, Johnny Gargano's being seen as like the heart of NXT. Um, of course, so it was a great match. And of course... Um, Johnny Gargano being it was his first takeover since he got hurt and he couldn't compete at War Games in November. Um, it was a good match. I mean, both men put it all on the line and all Finn Balor also ended up winning. Um, it was a good match, you know, solidifying Finn Balor as the big heel. And of course, it brings me to the NXT Men's Championship um, between Adam Cole and Tommaso Ciampa. You know, Tommaso Ciampa, you know, he had to like relinquish really the title due to a legitimate injury. He ended up having neck surgery, and he came back sure, sooner than expected. You know, he defied medical opinions. You know, he had to came back stronger. You know, self purpose was coming back and retaining Goldie. He called the belt. Of course, Adam Cole doing his best as he can to retain the belt. You know, he's the only member of the Spirit era now with gold. After they had a great year last year where they were all champions. Um, it was a good uh, hard-fought match. Um, it came down to where, you know, Adam Cole having his um, friends on SB Air there, distracting the referee, Raffles knocked down, you know. And of course, they threw the belt in there, you know, intentionally was Adam Cole to use the belt on Spots Champa. Champa sees the belt, and out comes Johnny Gargano. And people thought, oh, Johnny Gargano was going to be, he was there showing support for Tomas Champa because they were the four, you know, friends, you know, tag, your tag team DIY, um, former tagging champions, you know, they had a little rivalry as well. And he takes the ball away from Tommaso Ciampa, telling him, oh, don't do it. Don't use it as a weapon. Don't win it this way. I'm like thinking, oh, he's talking reason. Ultimately, Giant becomes heel, knocks Tommaso Ciampa out with the NXT Championship, and Nicole pins him, recovers, pretty much sends a shockwave to the NXT Universe, and why, Johnny, why? Why did he do what he did? I mean, we'll probably get our answers on NXT on Wednesday. Um, live on USA Network, but I think it was a long time coming. I think they want to continue the whole Johnny Gargano, Tommaso Ciampa feud from years ago, which to me was one of the biggest feuds of you know of the decade last year. Um, and like I said, overall it was a great event. Um, and of course, um, they came out with the Ruthless Aggression documentary series, which finally WWE is actually recognizing that documentary. Um, so far, there's two episodes up. Like the intro to the Ruthless Aggression area, I think today's episode was My Name is John Cena. Which pretty much focus on, you know, John Cena's rise from the OVW um, um, developmental to at time during his era. From doing that to, like, the prototype to John Cena, you know, saying Ruth's aggression. And then, of course, he ends up that angle as well. He's a Ruth's aggression John Cena. And he decided, you know, come up with the rap character, the rap gimmick. The Doctor of Thugonomics. And then, of course, when the times were changing, when you see more kids in the audience, he decided to, you know, transition is to, you know, kid-friendly John Cena. So I was like, it's what, like from his words and the people around him, like their words. 
And I think next one's next week will be the Evolution episode. You know, the staple of Randy Orton, Triple H, Sean, Batista, and Ric Flair. We get to see that. Um, the, my big thing from this documentary is if you watch the Monday Night War, WWE vs. WCW on No Network, it's like that same production value. I'm just... I know they did not show him. I know he's still, like... He's still, like... Never say never, never say that name. You know, he's he should, he should not be named Chris Benoit. They have not featured him. They're not featured him all. I don't know if they can recognize him. On the network, they still don't recognize him because of what he did. Um, we'll see how that goes. I, I think hopefully they'll do an Eddie Guerrero piece as well because he's one of the big you know top stars with the Grisner Krangle as well. Um, like I said, it's like I said, definitely check that out if you want to see the nostalgia documentary. I mean, you can check out the actual Rawls and Smackdowns from that era as well. I think there have been one WWE Network as well. Um, that's not my favorite wrestling thing. Um, anything interesting we go from Reddit besides what you saw earlier? Uh, no, not that I really know of. Stuff is just a bunch of memes. I haven't seen anything major really. More politics crap, but nothing really I can think of. I kind of just focused on Sonic. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, don't know. I like the Sonic series. What was like your favorite game? My favorite game out of all of them is uh, gotta be the second one. I want to say originally. Sonic Two. Yeah, cause like you could it was you could do all the cheat codes and you could still play Super Sonic and you can yeah Tails and they have all the secret uh, levels you can do to get the emeralds and. All the levels were difficult as you go along, so the replay value is definitely high. Um, and I just remembered it. It's it was just a really fun game to play, uh, and it, it it made it just more challenging. And seeing how how far they could take the character at that time was sort of pretty cool because he's just gotten better, and it was just setting up to be a, a better future for the character. Um, but no, I don't know. I'm glad to see that the movie's doing good, and maybe I'll see it. I don't know if I want to go to the theater and watch it, but I'll, I'll, I guess I'll watch it eventually. It's doing good, so I mean I can't complain. Maybe. Oh, uh, I mean your birthday is coming off. <laughs> no, I'm not watching my birthday. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm good. <laughs> oh man, it's like I can't believe that we're like one week away from C2E2, guys. I'm excited. <laughs> we're gonna be there. Um, we actually got business cards made with the uh, promoting the podcast. So if you guys are at C2E2, you're gonna come by. We'll be walking the floor, guys. Um, we don't. We'll be passing it out if you guys definitely want to check out our podcast. Um, yeah, I mean, like I said, I'm glad the film is doing fantastic. I'm great. I'm grateful that it is because you know, like I said. Um, I'm a big Sonic fan. Of course, I have a Sonic tattoo on my right arm. It's one of my first tattoos I got. Um, honestly, to me, like, my favorite Sonic game of all time will have to be um, Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I mean, don't get me wrong. Number, Sonic the Hedgehog 2 was number two on my list. Um, Sonic Adventures number three. Uh, but to me, it's Sonic the Hedgehog 3 because, honestly, um, not because, you know, I had Genesis and Sonic time and promotion campaigns. Because that was one of those games where I actually won a contest. Um, like, like Donald's at the time, they were doing the, the, the Heavy Mill toys. And on the side of the bag, my mom like entered it for me. Um, pretty much, I had to get parents' permission. Um, it was a giveaway. You could be one of the lucky 500 winners to win a copy of Sonic Hedgehog 3. 
So I filled it like I filled it out. Mom helped me mail it, you know, and, and that was that. That was it. Um, I at that time you can't track it. You couldn't track it by email, or they're not gonna send you an email. So then I put it off. You know, who knows how it went? And then of course I ended up getting good grades. And my mom decided more of a game, so we ended up going to a store. If you guys feel as old as I am, I don't know if you remember the department store venture. If you live in the Chicago area, it was a department store. Um, she ended up giving me the game there, and she ended up also giving me um, a Megazord. Power Rangers Megazord. <laughs> I was big on Power Rangers at the time as well. Um, and, of course, she gave me the copy, so that was cool. I haven't even opened it yet. I was so excited to get back home and play it. All of a sudden, we see this package on our doorstep, and I'm like, okay, I'm curious. What's this package for? It's dressed to my name, dressed to the house. Open it up. Sonic the Hedgehog 3, dude. And it was Sonic the Hedgehog 3. I ended up winning a copy. There was a letter saying, congratulations. You won the winners of the Sonic the Hedgehog 3 giveaway. Plus, you get a uh, free one-year subscription to Sega Visions magazine. I don't remember. Oh, my God. Sega Visions when they had their own magazine publication. Um, I ended up getting a free year of that. And I got Sonic 3, so... My mom had to make the thing where she had to go back, take the copy of Sonic 3 back to the store. So, with me, I have the Sonic 3 from the contest. So, the one I have is from the actual contest. And, of course, um, I love the game. It was cool because you got you had an option between Sonic, Tails. And then, once Sonic and those came out, like, not so long afterwards, you, they came up with the whole... To me, they said that Sonic the Trick wasn't Sonic the Hedgehog 3 wasn't the complete game. There was more, but they could add more due to the memory limitations and the rush. They were being pressured by you know the game that was being pressured by Sega, the publisher, the Sega to push up, put out this prime by a certain deadline. Um, so they couldn't complete the game. So that's why they are coming out with Sonic and Knuckles, which ended up being a continuation of Sonic 3. And that's another good game as well because, like I said. Um, you use some game of Sonic or Knuckles. Each one takes their own path. Eventually, uh, later on, you end up um, reuniting with Tails. So Tails becomes a playable as well in some levels. And it was a continuation. And then putting this, and it, it was the first game to come with lock-on technology where you can connect Sonic 3 to the game. And I'm playing Sonic 3 and Knuckles where you play Sonic 3 all the way to Sonic 3 plus getting into Sonic Knuckles. So you were playing two games in one. And then you hook up Sonic the Hedgehog 2 you are playing as Knuckles in Sonic Hedgehog 2, so you are going through the same levels of Sonic 2, but as Knuckles. And what's cool about Knuckles is with him being able to glide and climb on walls, you get to reach new heights that you weren't able to do in the original Sonic 2. So I would say that would be my top Sonic game of all time. Would be Sonic Hedgehog 3. Um, like I said, I put Sonic Adventure on there because, like I said, it was a Dreamcast song. It was one of the good next-gen Sonic games, you know, to me it's still one of the top next-gen Sonic games of all time. Um, definitely enjoyed that as well. And, um, I think that's pretty much what I got. Um, like I said, um, next week, um, we'll see what the new topic is for next week. If you guys have any topic ideas, feel free to tweet me at the franchise 85 Like I said, like I said in the beginning of the podcast, you can check out our Facebook page. It's facebook.com slash pop. You can post topic ideas or questions you want us to answer on the program as well. Like I said, please subscribe to our to our show, our podcast, or like I said, we're available on 
Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Casts, pretty much where we get podcasts fixed. Make sure to check us out there. Like I said, you can tweet me on Twitter, tweet me questions using the hashtag TalkBop. We have a Discord. Like I said, uh, this is a new thing for us. Uh, we are working on possibly, not guaranteed, we're possibly going to end up doing a video stream of the podcast. So you guys will actually get to see a live stream of us actually recording the podcast while at the same time being on video. So we're actually going to try to take a spot on how and where we record and kind of give it that, you know, steel type feeling. So that's something we're working on, trying to get that set up. And like I said, next week we'll be on C2E2. So probably not next week's episode, but the week after that, we'll have a reaction of C2E2. Because it's been a while since we've been to C2E2. The last one was in 2017. Was the last C2E2 we've been to. So it's been like almost three years. Um, it was a year we decided to do it in February, but I'm not complaining. So... Like I said, definitely looking forward to that as well. And of course, next week I'm um, looking. I might. We'll still debate what the next topic will be next week, but of course, me and Biko will be attending um, the screening of My Hero Academia: Heroes Rising, which is going to be opening in select theaters. For I don't know, it's going to be a two-week run or a one-week run, but it's opening theaters on the 26th. We already got tickets already, so. I'm excited. Um, we're going to go check that out. We're going to check out the English dub because, I mean, I like the English dub of My Hero. I, even though I enjoy the sub, I rather hear the dub as well because I, and plus, I can't, I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be on the 26th. So I can't wait. And if you check out, I know you can get your tickets through Fandango and stuff, pre-order tickets for My Hero Academia Heroes Rising. Honestly, guys, you don't have to see the main series. You don't have to read the main series, understand the film, because the films are pretty much like an original story, but the creator has a lot of input through that film, for that film, so he designed some of the characters for that film, so definitely check it out. Um, that's all I got for you guys, guys, so, so enjoy your week, stay warm. As for me and the franchise, and my brother Biko, right now he's taking care of our little month, a little cat. Uh, roommate's cat right now, Mondo's cat right now, named Elf. Um, on the closing, so like I said, check us out, support the podcast. As always, the geek on, take care. We'll see you guys next week. <laughs>